It is 8 o'clock on Thursday, and you know what that means? That means it's Banter in the Blue Shirts inside of your ear. Um, God, there is so much good to talk about today. We got Shattenkirk. We got free agency. We got trade rumors. And we got Blue Apron. This show is brought to you by Blue Apron. It is the Kevin Shattenkirk of companies that deliver food directly to your door. They're the number one fresh ingredient recipe delivery service in the country. You've heard it before, but just so you know, some of their upcoming meals, seared chicken and creamy pasta salad with summer squash and sweet peppers, fresh basil fettuccine pasta with sweet corn and cubanelli pepper? I don't even know what that is. Chili butter steaks with Parmesan potatoes and spinach? Come on, guys. You're not cooking this stuff at home unless you have Blue Apron. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to blueapron.com slash blue shirt. If you go to blueapron.com slash blue shirt and use the code blue shirt, actually, I don't even think you need the code, just blueapron.com slash blue shirt, I will buy you three free meals with shipping for free. You don't have to go shopping. Adam is a terrible shopper. He's going to come on the show at some point. He doesn't know how to shop. You don't know how to shop. When was the last time you shopped? Seriously. So do it. Go to blueapron.com slash blue shirt. They delivered to 99% of the United States. If you're in the 1%, I'm going to assume you don't have internet and you're not listening to this anyway. Because I'm pretty sure that's how that stuff works. So, yeah. Everything is sustainably gathered. Everything comes from responsibly raised animals. Regenerative farming. You didn't even know that was a thing until I just said it to you. So go do it. Go to blueapron.com slash blue shirt. You get three free meals with free shipping, and you can eat some of the delicious meals that I just told you about. So go do that. The show is also brought to you by Patreon. The fine people who go to patreon.com slash blue shirt banter and give us some of their monies. And because they give us some of their monies, they get their names read on our Wall of House Panther, Anthony Viola, John J. Porter, Dan Lynch, Eric Cohn, Daniel DeGen, Matt Bader, George Littman, Guy from Montana, John Reppy, Trevor Kempner, Dan Carosi, Zachary Zetlin, Arch Williams, Igor Zatlovsky, Alexander Thornton, Thomas Osa, and Michael Silvers. Thank you all for donating to our show. You are the real MVP. And because of you, Mike speaks and sounds like he's in your ear with you. How great is that? Mike, say something so and people soon know Beth what we're talking will about. Too, right? Well, yeah, Beth, eventually we have to get to... Yeah, know. we're you, getting... You know what the deal is Beth, is the next, Beth is the next person to get a fancy, fancy microphone, so that'll mean more higher, gooder quality audio, as they say in, in the biz. That is true. Uh, we are also going to be joined by Adam at some point. This actually may be Adam now. Uh, whoever 516 is, you're on Banter in the Blue Shirts. Who's this? And they dropped. Look at that. How embarrassing is that? Yeah, this is exactly Dro- this is the way that we want. Dropped like the Rangers dropped Clen Denning. Oh. And uh, Arvor Green, who is a, a good friend, who is in the chat room right now, said he's sorry he missed last week's show, but he just listened to it. He wants to say two things. Screw spiders, which we all agree with, and yay, Wheel of Time, because I'm reading the Wheel of Time. And that is, yeah, the Wheel of Time. It's amazing. Okay, time to talk about the good stuff. Kevin Mother Effin Shattenkirk. 
Four years, $6.65 million per year. Mike did a story about the three things to love about the Shattenkirk contract. That was actually probably like 12 things to love about it. I did a uh, the perfect player at the perfect price. Michael, how big of a win was it to get Kevin Shattenkirk? It, I've been talking to a lot of people about it, um, especially friends and my brothers who are Rangers fans. And uh, like the the takeaway is this: like, yeah, he was expensive. You know, it's still he's still the highest paid defenseman on the team for now, and uh, until the Rangers have to figure out the McDonough extension. But um, there's no there's no two ways about it. It's he's already. He's already a fan favorite. You know, he's I'm not sure there's been a free agent signing who started off like on the right foot as much as Shattenkirk will just because of frankly the you know, the potentially tens of millions of dollars that he left on the table to to play with the Rangers. He top pair right side defenseman which is something the Rangers needed desperately. A power play quarterback, again, something the Rangers needed desperately. Um, there's been a lot of, I've seen a lot of interesting uh, complaints from, ironically, fans of uh, teams that didn't get Shattenkirk but were involved in, uh, connected and rumored to get him, pointing out that, oh, he overpaid, he's not good at defense, and people pointing to a couple of rough games he had in the playoffs with Washington, but Meanwhile, if you actually dig into the numbers, he's perfectly serviceable. Pretty much only good things happen when he's on the ice, and that's because when he's on the ice, his team has the puck, and he's capable of really jump-starting and kick-starting the offense. And, you know, I don't think we got to see the best of him in Washington, and that's not that big of a surprise considering, you know, he was – deadline, you know, trade deadline pickup and, you know, was feeling out where he belonged there. And there is a lot of guys on that Caps power play who, who want to be the guy with the puck. And uh, in New York, I don't think that's going to be half the issue. It was in Washington. I mean, it's, you know, Zuccarello's have been a Jad, both like to handle the puck, but it, they're not going to be like, you know, there's not going to be, there's not going to be any grandstanding or anything in terms of the, cap it and the term it's just an unbelievably team friendly contract I don't you know in the piece I wrote about like there's when you look at what some of the contracts were that other uh, UFAs got um, even you know even comparing it you know to Brendan Smith's contract considering what Shattenkirk is and what he represents it was just highway robbery to get him for what the Rangers got him so I don't know how you feel. I'm sure you feel pretty similarly, but uh, it's, you know, I've heard some people say it was the best free agent signing thus far, and it's really hard to agree with it. And I don't think that's just looking through things uh, through, you know, Rangers colored glasses. Adam, I think you, uh, you jumped in in the perfect time here, buddy. How are you doing? I guess I did. What's up? We were uh, in the midst of talking about, by the way, whoever called before – you didn't call before, did you, like two minutes ago? No, I literally just got done playing soccer, so. Yeah, Adam's playing Everyone soccer. Everyone gets to hear my sweaty uh, out-of-breath voice. 
there was some like random 516 number. I'm very curious as to who that was now. But um, I was just asking Mike how big of a win it was for the Rangers to sign Shattenkirk, and I will now give my opinion. I'll give you some time to uh, settle yourself down. I think it is hysterical that there are so many people who think Shattenkirk is overpaid at $6.6 million because I truly think if Shattenkirk would have walked away with an $8 million a year deal, nobody would have batted an eyelash. Honestly, Mm -hmm. puck-moving defensemen are at a premium. Carl Alsner got like $5.5 million. So to turn around and say, oh, the Rangers are paying for a defenseman that doesn't defend, first of all, there was not a single year where Kevin Shattenkirk made the Blues worse. And what I mean by that is when he was on the ice versus when he was off the ice, the Blues were worse when he was off the ice than when he was on the ice in terms of even strength shots against, in terms of even strength possession, everything. They were a better team with him on the ice. There are one, two, three, four, five, six defensemen with more points per game than Shattenkirk the past three seasons. Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, Chris Letang, Victor Hedman, Roman Yossi, and P.K. Subban. That is it. He is literally the seventh player, the seventh best defenseman in the NHL at putting up points per game. To insinuate that he is overpaid is one of the most laughable things, and a lot of this is coming from Devils fans. Uh, All About the Jersey is a New Jersey Devils blog on SB Nation. Uh, John Fischler is the... uh, he is the managing editor there. He's a great guy. But their open thread where they thought they were getting Shattenkirk and then he went to New York is just just kisses fingertips amazing, the comments that those people made. And it is also pretty much what everybody else seems to think who thought that they were getting Shattenkirk. Now, I don't know if you are familiar with the hero charts and like the hero metrics that everybody kind of throws around. Basically, it is a bar graph that measures ice time, goals, first assists, shot generation, and shot suppression for a player against what is the number one, what would be a number one defender in the NHL. And the number one defender in the NHL has a 6 out of 10 rating for shot suppression. Shattenkirk is an 8 the past three years. His shot generation is a 6, so is the number one defender. His goals and first assists are both 7s. They're both 6s for the number one defender. So this is a guy who is literally doing everything and anything you can possibly ask for. The metrics back it up. The fancy stats back it up. And the results back it up. He had a bad playoffs in Washington. Mike is right. A lot of people want the puck in Washington on the power play. In New York, they cannot get rid of the puck fast enough. It is incredible. (laughs) Matt Zuccarello would not shoot if he could win the lottery from it. So, yeah, I like Shattenkirk here. I think he's a perfect, perfect fit. I don't think there is a single thing you could possibly complain about with the Shattenkirk contract. It's four years. It takes him until he's 32. It's at $6.6 million, which I'm going to say conservatively is at least a million dollars cheaper than he would have walked away with on the open market, and I think I'm still being light. There is no downside whatsoever. Adam, yeah, you have to think he, oh, ahead, he was – I'll just jump in really quick with something. Like it's, I think it's important to point out that he was the big fish in free agency. I mean, you know, obviously there's Radulov and, you know, there is so much interest in Thornton and Marlowe, but uh, a right-handed power play quarterback defenseman in the prime of his career 
that was highly, highly coveted for the last two years involved in trade rumors. And the Rangers got him at a discount. You know, th- there's nothing more to say. He, he was the big fish, and the Rangers got him. And they didn't get him through the typical just wheelbarrows full of money. It was they got him because he loves the Rangers, he loves New York, and that worked in the Rangers' favor. And that's a beautiful thing when it happens. And I also think because when things like that happen, other fan bases will naturally get kind of salty about it. But I'll go ahead and let Adam go now. Yeah, so uh, I have a few thoughts here, so bear with me. But my first thought is is this, right? Like, let's just say, right, Kevin Shattenkirk was overpaid by, let's just say, like, it was 750000 too much, right? Like, let's just say, let's just give that benefit of the doubt, and let's say that's true, right? If the Rangers had given 250000 of that to Jesper Fass, 250000 of that to Mika Zibanejad, and 250000 of that to a backup goalie, like, no one would even blink, right? It would just be like, oh, yeah, sure, like, that's within range. Like, why not, if you're going to spend that money, why wouldn't you put it towards a premium player that it, you know, that every team is looking for, no team has really, right? Like, why wouldn't you, like, if you're going to spend that money, put it on such a, you know, hard-to-find player who just changes the complexion of the team? So, for the people, oh, it's overpaid. Well, like, fine. Let them, <laughs> let them spend there, um, right? And, like, you look at last year, you know, overpaid. Well, if you want defensemen who are, like, cheaper than that who have equal ability like get ready to pay up in a different way on the trade market and like we saw what Travis Hammond got who wouldn't have even addressed the issue for the Rangers but nonetheless like you know multiple first round picks or or whatnot um you know our first and two seconds I think it was so so look like one way or the other you're gonna pay and given you know the Rangers situation what they actually paid for Shanker fine I'm happy with it um my second thought is that uh, in regards to Shanker's defense the thing is that his defense is a problem only in relation to every other part of his game. Like if you actually look at his defensive game, look at the video and then look at the statistics, like if he had no offense in his game, he would be Michael Sauer. He would be a good shutdown second pairing defenseman, number four defenseman. It's just because the offense is so, you know, over the top that the defense relative to it looks not so great. It's not that he's a poor defensive player. It's, um, it's that, it just that's that's the one part of his game that's maybe not elite. So again, look, look, fine. Like, I think again, you know, that's why he was a free agent. That's why he didn't cost eight million dollars like a, you know, PK Subban. Um, so again, fine. You know, no player's gonna be perfect like that. Um, and my my third thought here is, uh, or you can go ahead, but go ahead. Well, the only I was just gonna jump in to say what your point about his defense. The only. This is my Keith Yandel argument. If you have the puck 55% of the time, you are doing your job as a defenseman. Yeah. Because the other team doesn't have the puck. He doesn't have to be the greatest defenseman in the world at – and I don't even like using the term actually defending because if you have the puck, you're defending. They don't have the puck. That's the problem. The problem is not that Dan Girardi couldn't get down and block a shot or couldn't try to get in someone's face. I mean, it it was in an an extent, but the issue was that he didn't have the puck. You need the puck, and Shankirk has the puck. All right, go to your third. Yeah, Yeah, but even even beyond that, seriously, just like if we're talking about like defensive zone coverages or whatever, like, and I I love Keith Yandel, but like this is not Keith Yandel. Kevin Shattenberg is a significant 
Shattenkirk is a significantly better defender than Keith Yandel. He's a solid, not great, but, you know, decent defender. It's just that, you know, it's not elite. So, of course, you know, we know how this goes with offensive defensemen. Um, but anyway, I also want to point out, right, because there have been times where, you know, we've the Rangers have made a signing or a trade or whatever, and we've, you know, kind of been like, what are they doing? What is Jeff Gordon doing? What's his plan here? How bold and ballsy was it for him to buy out Dan Girardi, right? And, like, forget about the player, just to assume that cap penalty for so long, right, to trade his number one center, right, for prospects, right, for lottery tickets, and go into free agency saying, I'm going to essentially lowball Kevin Shattenkirk, and he's going to take this offer. Because, like, it would have been one thing if he made those moves, right? And, like, I think we all knew, like, okay, like, Shattenkirk's the play here, no matter what all the reporters said. But, like, that was one thing. Like, we knew, like, he was going to sign with the Rangers if this was going to be a six, seven-year deal for six and a half million or whatever. But for him to go and say, I'm going to open up all this cap space and kind of just push all in and leave myself exposed, like, that would have looked really bad if they did not land Shattenkirk because there were not many alternatives or really any alternatives on the free agent market, forward or defense or otherwise, right? So, like, how bold was that of him to just say, like, look, I'm going to give him four years and he's going to take this off it? It was. And I actually – I wonder if Kevin Shattenkirk – so, according to Brooks, Kevin Shattenkirk actually came to the Rangers with the contract offer mm-hmm. that he inevitably signed. I wonder if that would have been the case if Glenn Sather was the general manager. Honestly. Because Sather would have thrown the money uh, at him. You know he would have. I would have absolutely recommended just kind of sit and see what happens here. And um, Yeah, we'll see the deal there. Uh, we have a caller. Let's take the caller. 516. I think you called before. I don't know. You are on the air. Who's this? What's up, boys? John, how are you? What's going on, What's man? Up? How are you, you doing? Me? You and then, we can hear you. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for doing the show. I, as a diehard Ranger fan, uh, I'm not really a big football or basketball guy. I am a Yankee fan, so I got that. But uh, hockey's my passion. Season ticket holder for 15 years, um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a. You uh, got the voice of a football been, fan. I'll tell you that. You got like the uh, the the Giants accent going. <laughs> well, well, I, I don't know how to how to respond to that, but. Uh, had a rough night at work, so it's probably just a rap yeah, raspiness. Go. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, Joe, actually, you and I went on to, uh, back and forth on Twitter a couple of days. I'm the, the guy that defended Nick Holden slightly, and it turned into a big thing where I got, tweet, I got tweets from everybody telling me how horrible he oh, was. Oh, boy. And I just want to no, clarify this. <laughs> I want to clarify this. I am of the impression that you just yeah. don't give away – defensemen that you already know what they are. Now, that being said, I'm all for trading Nick Holden for prospects or to get something of value. I'm, I'm not telling you or telling any Ranger fan that they have to keep him, but you know what he is. He played a lot of last year with Mark Stahl. I'm just not of the – I just have the, the impression that you, you want to keep as many defensemen around as possible that have NHL experience. We don't know what Piak is going to give you. You don't know if Ryan Graves can make that jump yet. You don't know if the Barazgalov, if I pronounce his name right, Baraglazov, uh is going to be able to Baraglazov. play at the NHL at, at this present moment. I'd rather keep Nick Holden around and, and to see what happens. And then if you can trade him later on for, for a piece, then, then you do that. To just dump well, him let me for the sake you... of dumping him, that, that was my only thing. I'm, I'm Listen, I'm not a Nick Holden fan. I don't have his jersey, so I'm not, I'm not – 
with my pom-poms out for Nick Holden, but I just think defensemen are hard to come by, especially guys that you know what they are. They can bring another guy in who could be even worse than him. You don't know. Well, by all, and I apologize if, if people got on you because of our conversation. I have, no, I no, it was cool. No, I'm, I'm all for that. Um, I can take it. I'm, I'm all for that. The Here's my main issue with Holden. I don't – part of my issue with Holden is that the way he was used, because I'm pretty sure Holden – could be a useful, like, very sheltered third-line defenseman. But with the current landscape of the New York Rangers, you have to assume that Mark Stahl is going to be on the team, right? So you have Shattenkirk, you have McDonough, you have Shea, and you have Smith, who are your top four defensemen, right? That leaves D'Angelo and Adam and Mike just yes or no. Do you really think that D'Angelo is going to be in the AHL this year? I don't. Like, he would have to so. do it like himself. There would, he would have to do something that made the Rangers make that decision. That's right. And he's I, not, and I battling for a spot in camp is his solution. And I agree with that. And if not for what they gave up for him, for what they see for him. So now, and, and John, that's really, this is where my issue comes in. So you have right. D'Angelo, right? You have to assume Stahl is going to be there because they're not going to put him in the box. So now what do you do with Holden? Or Bear Glazoff? What, like that, what was it that we – the thing that we did, Mike? Bear Glazoff? Bear Glazoff. Really bear Glazoff. A bear eating a glazed donut. I came up with that. That's, sure, credit Mike. Sure. Was it you? Oh, God, you're wittier than I, I thought you I, were, I, Adam. Okay, I apologize. That my Adam came up with. Let's go back. Um <laughs> So I don't. I just don't see where he fits, and I have to be very careful about the way that I analyze players because, like, I have an issue with the way Jesper Fast is used. Right? I don't think he's a top six mm-hmm. player, and I think that AV uses no. him as a top six player sometimes. And I take that out on Fast, and it's not his fault. He can't do anything about that. Holden, my issues with Holden where, A, he was probably the Rangers' worst defenseman in the playoffs, and I don't even think I'm exaggerating, he was worse than Stahl. Why is he playing so much? Take A.B.'s toys away. Take Glass away. Take Holden away. If you take those guys away, it might help. And I just don't see the spot for him, because I think he will be playing. But he, I, I, I would be shocked if D'Angelo didn't start the year on the opening roster. And I would be shocked if Stahl wasn't on the team either. You know what I mean? Yeah, Where well, does that lead no, no, listen, I, and, I, and I agree with you completely. I mean, I, I, like I said, I don't want it to turn into my, this Nick Holden love fest, which is, is not what it was supposed to be meant as. It was meant more right. for, you know, look what happened with Pittsburgh, you know, and maybe that's a poor example, but you can never have enough def- good defensemen. And that, <clears> that's <throat> what I'm saying. It's like sometimes you need that depth, and we don't know what these three guys that they're anticipating being decent or serviceable defenseman down the road, you know, everyone thought Matt Bodie was going to be able to make the jump. And, and, you know, even, mm-hmm. even Matt Gilroy, when he came over, he was great the first season and then he kind of tailed off. So, you know, you don't always know when these guys, especially the college guys coming over, what you're going to be able to get, what, what they're going to be able to give you. So I'm, I just said like, you know what, you, you know what stall is, you know, you got to shelter him. You know, I I don't know. That was just my that was my gripe. But we we can move on. I just that was my opinion. I also no, think no, I, that Angelo Angelo was brought in because you don't know you're getting shot in Kirk, either. And you, I would take a depth, take a chance on a 21 year old defenseman with that much of an offensive upside. And I love the Stefan trade. I really think they needed to move on from him. And you hit it. 
a nail on the head with one of your previous shows, you're better off moving him a year too early than a year too late. And those feet, even though yeah. he's 26, 27 years old, he was definitely slowing down. Yeah, and it, and like I said, again, I appreciate the call, first of all, and I'm sorry that people attacked you for us going back and forth. <laughs> I can good. be a little snarky, too, so that doesn't that certainly doesn't help. That's but it comes perfect. from the place. It's, all, it's all in good fun. Well, it's the good fun thing is, you're like, there was the guy who defended Holden, and in my head, I'm like, wow, you have to be way more specific than that, because you should see some of the crap that I get on a daily basis. I get emails about Holden nonstop. People are like, where are you going to find another defenseman with 34 points? Well, we just found Shattenkirk, who's like 55 points, and you have McDonough and you have well, Shea. And we also have to take it easy because, let's be honest, Gordon, Gordon had a great offseason last year. I mean, you know, even, even Brandon Peary in the beginning of the season, he, he helped us win games. But 27 goals out of Grabner and 10 goals out of, out of Nick Holden, I mean, that's an admiration. I mean, if they, they can't expect that this year. Yeah. They can't expect I, those I, two guys, whether they're on the team or that's not, very, to get 37 goals from those two guys. They really need to hope that J.T. Miller and Kevin Hayes make that next jump. And because you can't expect those guys. If, if Bradner scores you 10 goals next year and he can kill penalties and play in your fourth line, that's why the was He wasn't brought here to be an offensive juggernaut that he turned out to be last season. So I hope the God, fans am, take it easy I'm with him and aren't, aren't over-expected on him. You know what I mean? I'm agreeing with you so hard right now. You're, like, you're speaking <laughs> the words that are just in my head. It's, it really is amazing. And to yeah. your point, by the way, because I, I think your point uh, on our, our Twitter conversation was right. that you you don't trade Holden for nothing. I I in my head you can't get a bag of pucks for Holden. But Larry Brooks today suggested that the Rangers were looking to trade him for a top six <laughs> forward. Listen, which I said Larry Brooks is having a very rough. Larry Brooks having a really rough. Larry off Brooks season. is having a very tough offseason. If Gordon now he's starting to backtrack on Kevin Klein retiring, so we all have to be worried about that now. You read the, his article well, no, from today. No, he's backtracking on it. Mm-hmm. Then that means he's retiring, so we're good. Um, <laughs> it, it's. If he trades Holden for a top six center, like I'll build a statue of him now. I don't even care. I'll just build a statue of him now. That's it. That would be the most miraculous. Yeah, it would be the most miraculous thing um, about all this. Well, John, I appreciate your call. Thank you, man. That was great. My pleasure, uh, guys. Can you keep me on hold so I can listen? I'm having some internet issues. Yeah, that's fine. No worries. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thank you. That was it. Was very good. Um, I agree. Sell high on. Absolutely so high on Holden, if you can. Yeah, I, um, I, I agree across the board, especially his point about, uh, you know, the Rangers. We all knew, you know, when we were talking last season, like, this isn't going to last. This is fun, scoring five goals a game and everything. But there are a lot of guys who are, you know, definitely punching above their weight in terms of production. And Holden and Grabner, even though both, obviously had their struggles to, you know, to the point where Holden was a scratch in the playoffs for, for a game. But, uh, you know, I just looking at Holden's numbers, it's, uh, if for, you know, fans of opposing teams who d- don't know anything about Nick Holden or didn't watch him for 80 games last season, you know, on paper, you see 11 goals, 23 assists, you know, 34 points in 80 games for 1.65 million. That's, you know, what's not to like, but, there's a lot not to like there uh, in terms of his consistency. But if you're, if you're a rival GM listening to this, he's the greatest defenseman of all time. Yeah, oh, he's, he's super still. great. Trade us, trade us your top six centers, and we'll we'll give you Holden. Trust me, you're getting you're getting the best. Mm. He's got size and size, but the Grabner point that John made is a great one too. I will, 
if he scores 15 goals next year, I would be thrilled. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. You, just, you don't shoot yeah. at 22% like consistently. It just does not happen. Um, yeah. No. Nope. Yeah, it's just not. That's not the deal. Uh, all right, so I think we talked enough about oh, – all right, all right, I'll ask one more question about Shattenkirk. All right. Obviously, he changes the entire dynamic of the special teams, right? He's going to be the number one power play quarterback and mm. yada, yada, yada. Adam brought up a really good point, which was that Gordon insinuated that Mark Stahl was no longer a top four defenseman when he was talking about the Rangers top four, that the, he was talking about Smith, right. Shea, yeah. Shattenkirk, and McDonough. Adam, does Shattenkirk break the Elaine Mignot trend of – hey, we just traded or acquired this awesome puck-moving defenseman. He's now going to be my third-pairing defenseman. Yeah, like, I, I, I can't imagine any other way. Like, for, forget about, like, learning from mistakes or, like, forget about that, right? Like, if you're Kevin Shattenkirk and you are literally, put, like, literally throwing away $20 million, probably more when you consider income taxes and such, right? You are giving that up, right? And if they then put him on, like, the third-pairing like, I would be livid if I was him. Like, I would – I feel like that would just be absolutely toxic, not just for him, but, like, every other free agent would look at that situation and be like, wow, like, no matter, like, what I can see to them, they're going to just do that to me, like, after all that, right? Like, even without, like, just Amy's tenants, like, they don't have a choice, I don't think, just because of circumstance. Like, you know, like, they're committed to it now after all that. So – I just, I don't, you know, like, well, am I going to say, like, look, is there going to be, like, a four-game stretch in January where, like, he does a thing? Like, yeah, like, okay, fine. But, like, I don't think it's, that's going to be, like, a, you know, a common theme of, like, any of the next two seasons, let's say. You know, like, he has to. He has to be playing top four. He has to be playing really top line. Him and McDonough may legitimately be the best or one of the best one-two pairings in the NHL. Yeah. Honestly, sure. is there another one-two pairing in the NHL that that even rivals what they can be? You could uh, Hedman Strawman, but like you know, like yeah. Well, Hedman Strawman's actually a good example, but I I think McDonough and Shattenkirk could combine for a hundred points next year. Uh, I, I don't see. I I I see McDonough being a forty-ish point guy. And I see Shattenkirk being a 50-ish plus guy. Maybe they're at 90 points. But already, so call McDonough 40 points, call Shattenkirk 50 points, right? Call Shea 35 points. You're talking about over 120 points, 110, 120. That's D'Angelo. And that's exactly, with nothing from D'Angelo out of three of your defensemen. I can't remember the last time the Rangers had offense like that on the blue line. And you're talking about a team that had so many issues transitioning the puck in AV's defense to offense system. Now you have literally a wealth of options. You have Shattenkirk, you have Smith, you have Shea, you have McDonough, D'Angelo potentially. You, there, it's it's going to be insane. It really is. It's going to be awesome. Um, well, I, I want to throw one oh, thing ahead, in Mike, sorry. really quick. That. I think the real test for Vino is going to be um, what he does. We're going to learn a lot from what he does with the penalty kill because even with all of the, you know, the train wreck that was going on in the blue line, 
Last season, Girardi averaged two minutes and 15 shorthanded time on ice per game. That's That was second only to McDonough. And third after Girardi was Mark Stahl with one minute 57 shorthanded ice time per game. Obviously, Girardi's gone, but... You know, if whether or not the Rangers press box stall or they keep them on the third pair or whatever, it's we really need to see that that transition to a real understanding of the assets on hand. And I think that shorthanded and situations like, you know, in the playoffs we saw, oh, you know, we're up by a goal. They pulled their goalie. You know, I want Nick Holden on the ice. I want Mark Stahl on the ice. That that can't happen anymore, not with a top four like this. If we don't see, you know, Brendan Smith on the ice in those moments, then I think you really have to be concerned. Um, you know, and give Brady Shea more responsibility. Do it. He's big and he's strong, and he, he's, he's not just a kid who picked up a lot of points. He's also very, very good in the defensive zone, and if he's not, you know he's not exactly the best in the world, but he, he can get there. He has the he has the size and the speed and the quickness. He can be a really effective defender one day. So I think that'll be the big test for Vino is deploying guys the right way, not just in terms of the even strength ice time, but the shorthanded ice time as well. Yeah, I like it. I like all of it. Uh, I think Shea really. Him and Smith, their lack of usage in the playoffs was unfathomable. That's so it's really, it was the it worst was, thing in the world. Unfathomable. There's no explanation for it. There's no, hey, here is the logical reason why something like this would happen. There is no nothing. And you're not going to get any questions out of the media for it. So, like, whatever. Um, but, like I was saying about Adam's point, Gordon seems to believe and. GMs do GM things. Coaches do coaches things. That's one of Adam's sayings. There you go, Adam. I gave you that one. Um, right. He, Gordon seems to believe that Smith, Shea, Shattenkirk, and McDonough are the top four defensemen on this team. That seems to be where the Rangers are headed. So let's hope yeah. that that is exactly Yeah, and, and also, I mean, like, look, yeah, again, like, GMs, GM, coaches, coach, but, like, it's it's not like Jeff Gordon calls up uh, AV and says, "Oh, like, hey, like, surprise! This is your these are the players you have next year." You know, like they all sit around many many different conference rooms, conference calls, whatever. You know, discuss a like what kind of team do we want to be? B what kind of players? You know, how would this guy fit in your system? You know, okay, well, like blah blah blah. You know, so it, it, this isn't catching AV off guard exactly. You know, I'm sure you know there are disagreements about things and such, but at the end of the day, you know. It, we saw like in Arizona, right? Like if the GM and, and coach, like if there's that much of a chasm, like that someone, something's going to give, someone's leaving. So to at least some moderate degree, if nothing else, AV is on board. The only thing I'll say in, as the devil's advocate for that, you would think before Glenn Sather went out and got Neandel that that conversation happened. Right. And then, just the way that Yandel was utilized was totally mind blowing. So you could even, I guess, make the argument right. about Smith. Right. And, but and again, again, that... the difference, the difference there is that right, like Yandel had no say in what happened there. You know, not that yeah. he was against the trade, but like that was just, hey, Keith, welcome to New York. Here's your role. Whereas again, like I said, 
you know, you better bet Shannon Kirk's agent was saying, okay, well, how are you planning to use him? And if they said, oh, third pairing, you know, like, guess what? He's not in New York right now, I don't think. So, you know, I just, I think it's a different situation where it was instead of just, oh, here's Yandel, here, you use him how you want. Like, this is like, all right, well, we got Shannon Kirk on these conditions and like, this is our plan for him. So I, I, I I get the skepticism and like, look, again, we saw the same thing last year with AV where like the lineup was not, was pretty close to ideal in terms of usage. And then like once, you know, things start getting turbulent in January, you know, he starts going back to, you know, whatever is comfortable to him. You know, like yeah. we saw Girardi. He started out third pairing in the sheltered minutes and was doing all right. And then, you know, suddenly it's, you know, back to, you know, his habits. So, again, you know, we'll see. Um, but I, I just have a hard time believing Kevin Shattenkirk is signing. You know, and you could hear in the way he was talking, you know, the implication was you're going to be with McDonough because he kept saying, oh, the chance to play with McDonough, you know, um, in terms of why he signed here. He yeah. kept mentioning McDonough as a reason. So, you know, you have to read between the lines and nothing's guaranteed. And, you know, five months from now, if the Rangers are on a five-game losing streak, you know, like, whatever, who knows what's going to happen. But I just, you have to believe that, you know, this, that it's not going to be one of those situations. Compelling. Quite compelling. Um, we want to talk about Fast or Dejeuner? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, either or. I'll, we'll do. Want to um, do DRNA first? Yeah, sure. Be, only because he was sort of an out of the blue and gives us. Yeah. So, if you don't know, the Rangers signed uh, Senor. Well, I guess Senor is not right. Monsieur Dejanet, uh to a one-year. Please don't do that ever again. One million yeah, dollar deal. Terrible. Was it a million dollar deal? Yeah, well, it was one-year, one, one mil. Right, Adam. Okay. It was, it was. Yeah, one mil. Um, he, 30 years old, one mil. Uh, I think really the only negative. Now, teams can bury a million fifty thousand in the AHL this year, I believe. And what that means is if you send a player to the, to the AHL, that much money comes off their cap hit. So he is what I call a no-risk signing because if it doesn't work and you throw him in the AHL, there is no cap hit to the team at all. Uh, yeah. he's a player who has had some injury issues, but clearly plays, I think maybe above his punching weight in terms of what you'd expect out of a bottom six player offensively. I think Adam said what he averaged like 15 goals and 30 assists per 82 games the past yeah. three years or so. So yeah. you are talking about a guy who maybe isn't the best in his own zone. I don't think he's terrible, but I don't think he's the best in his own he's zone. And he's not going to be your defensive zone, like five, you know, last five minutes taking these on faceoffs. But he's, you yeah, know, he's not this your Dominic Moore. This is, it's not Brandon Carey either. So he's kind of in between. But he's a guy who could add some pretty nice offense out of that the, kind of that puncher's chance of doing some damage in the uh, on the third line, depending on how the Rangers utilize some of their forwards. This is potentially an opportunity to put him with some wingers that might make a difference. You know, Desjardins, Fast, and Grabner would be a pretty good fourth line. Uh, you, you have two guys there who are very defensively responsible. Yeah, great he fourth adds line. a little bit of offense. That's exactly what you're looking for. Now, granted, that means the Rangers need to sign a third-line center, but a lot of people were very upset with this signing, just like a lot of people were upset with the Smith signing, which, I, I, for the love of me, I, I don't I understand don't know, it. But, Adam... Any negative whatsoever to Desjardins? 
Well, I mean, the negative is that he was hurt last year, and he had a knee injury, and now he's, I think, you know, 30, about to be 31. So, in theory, you know, could he be slowing down? Yeah. Uh, that's the negative, really. But it's it's just, you know, like, it gets into that thing where just, like, people kind of just see what they want to see, and what they see is a 5'7 center, and that's soft, and that's not what you want out of your checking line center. You know, so therefore, you know, whatever. And that's why people would rather pay $2 million more for freaking Brian Boyle, who, you know, solid player, but Desharnay is better, assuming he's healthy, you know? So uh, it's just one of those things where people want to complain because they like to complain, you know? Uh, and like you said, if it doesn't work out, like, all right, like, you live with it. Send him down. There's no penalty. Um, so, you know, for me, like, I just don't see what there is to complain about here. It's like, at, at worst, a null signing. And at best, you're getting a 45-point player for pennies. So, uh, you tell me. Mike? Well, what I like about it is that it keeps that, it keeps the, you know, it shelters that little candle, that delicate hope of four scoring lines that we enjoyed for a little bit last season because if it's, you know, Dayarnay on that, that fourth line, you know, with Fast and Grabner, I mean, sign me up for that line. You know, obviously there's a little bit of concern. You know, Darnay will be 31 come September, but he's a quick little guy who, you know, I remember with his his interview with, uh, you know, with the Rangers website, and uh, you know he was talking about, you know, he's the sort of guy who can move up in the lineup, and we all know from all the times where he showed up against games against the Rangers, where you look at him on the power play and things like that. You know, he's He's a guy who can do a lot of lot of little things like that. There's even the potential for, you know, including him on the second power play unit in a role similar to what we saw Peary do, even though I doubt, you know, he's not known for a shot or anything like Peary. But, uh, you know, as a guy who can just move the puck, there's yep. – I I know that he kind of goes against the old school of, like, a fourth-line center who's a centimeter shorter than Matt Zuccarello. I understand why – that might kind of ruffle the feathers of some people, but if you want the team to be quick up and down the lineup and good at moving the puck, he's a really safe bet for a million for one year. It's just, there's no risk there. Yeah. And uh, remember, remember in 2014 when, uh, you know, we kind of take for granted now, like we say four scoring lines. Well, in 2014, it was about, you know, three scoring lines because the, you know, the Rangers put Prasad, Pouliot, and Zuccarello together and was, oh, this is not a checking line. You know, what is this? And, you know, it turned out, you know they go to the Stanley <laughs> yeah. Cup finals because of that line. And, you know, now the norm is, you know, three scoring lines. That's what everyone has now. Yeah. So, you know, like, conventions are conventions. They're all going to, you know, at some point, you know, bust apart because of someone's going to, you know, have, have the gust to, you know, bypass it and succeed because of it. Pittsburgh pretty much did the last two years, so... You know, let let people whine about the size or whatever, but uh, for me, I have no problem with you know, as long as you know, I want good players. I don't care about size. You know, there's a famous uh, Billy Bean quote. Uh, you know, the general manager of the Oakland A's who came up with Moneyball, and uh, uh, what he said was, uh, you know, like teams should stop you know drafting players based on what they look like, and instead you know draft players based on their impact. And that's what it is. Stop worrying about what the guy looks like. You know, if he's soft, it doesn't matter if he's 6'5 or 5'7. You know, and if he plays a hard-nosed game, then 
You know, who cares about the size? The impact is the impact. So I'm not worried about it. There, look at Adam going baseball, hockey, all the way back. Um, he just came from soccer. Ball, I don't will, know. I, yeah, he's going to go. I will attempt to take you 2-1-2, two, two, uh, but we're right on the Tony time, and sometimes that screws with the callers. But 2-1-2, two, two, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, how are you guys? Um, my name's Mike. Yo. I'm actually – I actually talk to Joe a lot on Twitter, um, Irish Ranger Fan 19. Oh, this could be, uh, yeah, there you go. What's going on, man? Yeah, how are you guys doing? Um, I imagine imagine publicly admitting, publicly admitting you talk to Joe that often. Oh, (laughs) who wants to do that? I'll tell you what, you guys, Adam, all you guys do do a wonderful job. Even if I disagree, I I, I think you do. I do think you guys do a wonderful job. Adam doesn't do a uh, my, job my, big, my big thing though is is the is the fascination with Brendan Smith. It, it is it is to me such an overvalue. The signing, the, the money that the Rangers paid and the years that they gave him. Who the heck were they competing with? I mean, in all honesty, everyone. Four years at Detroit. I would argue. I would say the same thing. I would argue almost everyone. Now, now I'm remembering our conversations and flashing back to them. Um, so you. Here's what I will say, and then Adam and Mike, you, you're more than welcome to jump in at this. I will tell you that there are, I think a lot of the blowback from Smith comes from the fact that he was touted to be like the next greatest thing in terms of offense in college, and it never translated mm-hmm. to the NHL game. If you look yeah. at his metrics, and if you look at the game that he plays, I think that Smith is one of the better shot suppressing defensemen out there at that price. Are you listening to the show? He's by one the of the best at any price. Um, well, I'll tell you what. He's. I mean, listen. He's. He's. He's got the perfect partner. I. I think he. If I was him, I. I would want to be a Ranger too because I think Brady Shea was by far the most underused Ranger, and the worst mm. thing that the coach did was not putting him in defensive situations, even though he's a kid. So I. Uh, maybe I'm coming at it from you know a different angle in terms of of Smith's um, evolution here, but I just from the money standpoint, with the cap being down for the entire league, when you look at that players who were compared with him, like Michael Stone, who got three years and three and a half million, it listen. I'm hoping I'm wrong. I've, I've I said that on Twitter. I hope I am wrong, but to me, when I watch Brendan Smith, I know. What, I know what what the you know what, what the elite prospects said about the kid. I know what everything said about him. But so far, his career has been defined in one word: and it's disappointing. And to give him that much money and to give mm. him that many years, you are. Uh, I, I guess I would I would have been perfectly fine with going into July one, with a lot more cap room, and seeing how it played out. Because the big but money wasn't see, there. So the big the like big he, money defenseman came came to the Rangers and he. He took four years. I mean, there's there's yeah, something to be said about, about pricing these guys the right way. There, you like the Shankar situation is. Like the Shankar situation is just one in a million, right? Like don't ever, don't compare anything that ever. Oh no, I'm not. I'm listen. Like, no, that's that's lottery. Years, right? That's that's hitting sure. a lottery. No question about it. Right. So but like you, with Smith, like go ahead, go ahead. No, the only thing I'm going to say is, I, if, if again, if I were the general manager, I would have been perfectly happy to say, you know what, let's get Shattenkirk, let's even get him at seven years and six point eight million, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever that would okay. have played out to be. 
I still right. would have went after him. I right. still and to know you would have had that opportunity, you would have you would have hit the lottery July first and then had an extra four point three million to go and and negotiate with Brendan Smith because I don't think the teams were out there for Brendan Smith. Now again, I could be totally wrong. So this is this is you know absolutely my opinion, but I I think by signing him before July one, they they boxed themselves in when they didn't they didn't need to. I I just don't see why. I really do. I and to the the reason why disappointment. John, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. I don't know why. I don't know if you're listening to the show, but you're like I'm, you're echoing back into me, and I can't hear. So I'm I sorry. I'm, I'm, thank I'm thank still, you for the call. I'm still, <laughs> thanks, guys. No worries. Yeah, yeah, I, thanks I for calling. You guys heard that. It was, yeah, it was bouncing back. Um, yeah, but yeah, I heard it. The, the disappointment comes from what he did in college, I would assume, because the first thing, winging it in Motown is the, um, the Detroit Red Wings blog for SB Nation. One of the first things that they told us about Smith was he's an offensive defenseman who does not put up points. If you look at his, like he had 52 points in 42 games his senior year with Wisconsin. In his first year in the AHL, he had 32 points in 63 games. I think everybody thought he was going to be this monster. And it, in the NHL, he has 0.23 points a game, and it just never translated. I would bet money. At least ten teams were in on Brendan Smith, or would have been in on Brendan Smith if, if there wasn't, you know, if he didn't sign with the New York Rangers. I think Shattenkirk and Smith were easily the top two defensemen on the market, and to have both of them in the fold at basically eleven million dollars, like the Rangers had McDonough and Girardi in the fold at eleven million dollars three weeks ago. Now they have Smith and Shattenkirk at eleven million dollars. You can't. Uh, you, you can't ask for better than that. And to John's point about his partner, I think not that Shea was bad. I think having a guy like Smith with Shea allowed Shea to do more things offensively because he knew Smith had his back defensively. And yeah. they worked really well together. But I don't think Shea was carrying the load for Smith in the playoffs. I don't buy that. No, no. I, I, I do not. Not even close. And I would say Smith outplayed him. I and not that it's a competition. You know what yeah, I mean? Right, right. It, of course, it's just, not yeah, like this like, is this is not us saying, "Hey, Shaddy or Shea was not playing well." That is not what this is at all. But right, I have absolutely no. It, the only thing my complaint would be about the Smith contract is I think it's three hundred thousand dollars too expensive. And with twenty three right. million dollars in cap room, I don't give a shit about three hundred thousand dollars. I'd rather overpay for a guy like Smith and then ultimately underpay for a guy like Shaddy than overpay for someone else who maybe adds like a Nick Holden. I, no way. I think Smith absolutely rounds out the Rangers' defense, and the Rangers have four defensemen that they could truly lean on in any moment in the game. Maybe you don't want Smith out yep. there with a minute left and down a goal because he doesn't have as much offense as McDonough, Shattenkirk, or Shea. But any other scenario, I cannot think of a time when I'm like, oh, I don't want Brendan Smith on the ice. And I think it makes the world a difference. He's an unbelievable skater. He's great at getting the puck in the defensive zone. His possession numbers are good. His transition, even if the offense isn't there, is good. No complaints whatsoever. Mm -hmm. 
I, I um, and it's not just John. I'm surprised at the blowback that Smith gets. Even on Blue Shirt Panther, people were absolutely furious that the Rangers made this signing. I, for the life of me, I don't get it. After all the defense you've seen the past three years, after all the defense you've seen the past four years, I don't think so. No complaints. I've cut both of you off numerous times. Mike, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I There's two points I want to raise. The, the first thing, one of the things I love the most about the Smith deal is something similar that I like about the Shattenkirk deal, which is it's four years for a 28-year-old. You're paying for his prime. And I don't think the Rangers, you know, back themselves into a corner by signing him before July 1st. I think they did the opposite. They held cards, you know, they didn't let it get into an open bidding war. I mean, Smith and his agent knew that he was going to get paid pretty much no matter what happened. You know, he's a big guy who, you know, appeals to both old school and new school thinking in the hockey world who can skate so much better than a big guy should be able to. And he can play the right side. And that checks off a lot of boxes that say he's going to get paid. And I think the point you Mm -hmm. said, Joe, about, you know, maybe giving him 300 K too much. What does that matter when the Rangers maybe saved over a million or around a million a year in cap on Shattenkirk's, you know, sweetheart deal. The other thing I want to say is I've seen Michael Stone brought up a lot when people talk about Smith. And and I Michael Stone like his best offensive season was 2015-16. He had 36 points. And so when a guy gets towards 40 points, people pay attention, but there's two really important numbers about that season. Uh the first being that he had 14 power play assists. So how does that happen? That happens because of Ekman Larson. That's why that happens. What has he done? What did he do? Yeah, he had 22 minutes a night. That's 22 and a half minutes a night. And, you know, know, it's it's not just like Ekman Larson is very, very good. He's good enough to make, you you know, a second pairing defenseman look a little bit better than he is. Um, Last season, Stone... 15 points, you know, and if, you know, if you take a quick look at just, you know, the hero charts comparing stone directly to Smith, the difference between just, you know, shot generation and, you know, shot differential is it's bonkers. Smith is far, far, far and away the better possession player and the player who, when he's on the ice, good things happen for his team. Yes. Michael stone costs a lot less money than Brendan Smith. And yes, he's a year younger, but he's the inferior defenseman. There's no, there's no two ways about it. He's not as good. He doesn't skate as well. He's not capable of playing both sides comfortably, as far as I know, even though he's naturally a right-handed, right-side defenseman. And, you know, he, he'll do fine on Calgary. Cause speaking of great blue lines, the Calgary blue line is great. But uh, he's just – Smith is – He's not like, you know, in another universe better than Stone, but he's significantly better. I think I think we all agree that it was Shattenkirk and Smith in terms of the UFA defensemen who were, you know, who were going to be out there. And then, yep. you know, they were up there in like the top shelf and then many, many, many shelves down was the rest of the group. The Rangers took both of those guys home, like Joe said. Did you have to give 
Smith a little bit too much money? Yeah. But you got the two best defensemen available, including a guy who we know looks amazing with Brady Shea, who's going to be here for four years working with Shea. What's not to like? This is all good news. Yep. I guess the first time we've ever used the word bonkers on the show. Bonkers. I use bonkers Episode 53. I don't think you have. I've never... I don't know. I guess I, I use it a lot in everyday life. Well, you you don't bring like that it. to the show, and it's disappointing because Bonkers really just kind of it elevates things. I, I would say, it really does it elevates the show's classiness. It's a real class act over here. Um, yeah, no, uh, no complaints whatsoever. Staff uh, signed three years, one point eight million dollars. Again, another contract that I just. I don't think you can complain. I, listen, it's very difficult for me to give a ton of credit to Gordon for the actual Shattenkirk negotiations if Shattenkirk negotiated his own deal. Um, that being said, I think Gordon did a lot of work with what Adam was talking about, slow playing his hand and kind of fanning his interest and getting the league all hot and bothered and making the ballsy play to trade Stefan and to do all that. But Right. The Smith contract, I think, is a good one. And fast, he's getting him. Now, Zibanejad's the, the tougher of the two, and I really don't want to see a bridge deal here because I, I think in a lot of ways last year was looked at as a perceived down year Zibanejad, even though it really wasn't. And I'd rather see them lock him up four or five years because you can probably get him at four, four and a half, maybe $5 million dollars. And if you sign him to a bridge deal and he goes out and he scores 60, 65 points next year, you are not getting him for anywhere near that price. And yeah, the Rangers and kind the of bit the bullet Stephon. with Miller. It's the, it's the exact same thing. The Rangers bit the bullet with Miller and Hayes. They gave him both bridge deals. And if Miller puts up another 56-point season next year, and if Hayes puts up a 56-point season, you got to pay them now. This is not the, hey, listen, they get to walk back to the door and say, you gave me $2.5 million last year. I want $7 million this year. And then you get into the negotiation part of it. So that might cut you off. Yeah. No, yeah, no. I was saying like the part of the problem with Stepan was like the Rangers bridge dealed him, you know, did two bridge deals with him. And so suddenly you're in a situation where like, it's like pay him what he wants or lose him to free agency, you know? So they, had, they didn't really have much of a choice, but to give him what he wanted, which was six and a half million dollars. And like, yeah, maybe that's a again, half million too much. You know, if they had, you know, Given, given him, you know, a five-year, six-year deal two years earlier, uh, you know, he's on maybe $4.75, million, and everyone's happy, right? So with the Banajad, uh, like, you know, and this goes back to Shattenkirk and Smith, and play, people evaluate players based on, like, what they want them to be instead of what they actually are, right? So, like, Part of the whole Girardi thing was that just so little was expected that, like, when he did provide it, like, he maxed out, like, what ex- expectations, right? And, uh, you know, I, I kind of compare it to, like, if you have a quart of water and it's in a gallon jug, like, it's still a quart of water. Like, putting it in a small, smaller container doesn't make it better, you know? And there's room for more, okay, sure, but, like, you still have a quart of water. So what's the value of a quart of water? You know, so stop worrying about what you want Mika's advantage at to be and instead worry about what he is and what he could be, uh, you know, in a year or two years. So I, I see no reason why you wouldn't give him five years, six years right now if you can. Michael? Give him the Broussard contract, call it a win. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. I think if the Rangers could land Zibanejad for even, you know, 5.2, 5.3 million, do it. Honestly, do it. I, yeah. But I think it could be even less. Look, like, so I, I Matt think it Cain, could be right for he, Matt Cain writes for Hockey Graph and, like, just pop, maybe, like, the smartest math guy in, like, the, you know, public hockey uh, world right now. And he, he created a statistical model, you know, to see, like, okay, like, here's what similar guys in the past have received, you know, so what can we predict? And I think he had projected around $4 million for Zibanejad. Now, that could be $4 million for, you know, two or three years, so maybe you're paying a bit more if you want five years. But I think – I honestly think the Rangers could get him down to – you know, four and a half million, four point six five million dollars for five years, and again, like that's perfectly worth it for a top six. Uh, that's a slam uh, dunk. You know, a top yeah. six center, no brainer. Yeah, there's no, and there's really no way to. So Tom Ertz, who's one of the new writers for Blue Shirt Panther, you should follow him, uh, Tom U R T Z Junior uh, on Twitter, did a story that was just kind of analyzing. It's his first story with us. Um, some comparable contracts. And he looked at Braden Shen, and he looked at Vincent Trocek, and he looked at Nazem Kadri. And all of those guys had were sort of at similar ages, right, to where Zibanejad is. Um, all of them signed for kind of – or not signed for. They had pretty similar points per games. They're, they hovered in the point five to point six points per games uh, over the, the course of their career. Um, Kadri was at $4.5 million. Trocek was at 4.75, and Braden Shen was at 5.125. I mean, you get Zibanejad for six years somewhere in there, you're going to be very happy. If you could sign Zibanejad to a six-year, $4.75 million contract, I would sign my name on the dotted line right now, and my bet is yep. he would too. You know, Absolutely. His agent is probably telling him you can make more money down the line if you sign a bridge deal, but this is a guy who mm-hmm. just hurt himself. This is a guy, listen, he's 24 years old. You sign a six-year deal, you have another big contract coming. That's the way you're guaranteeing money in your pocket right now for the next six years. If something goes wrong, Never underestimate instant gratification, right? Right. You break your spine, not to get sinister. God forbid, something happens. Your game totally falls off the cliff. You're good for the next six years. And that's kind of the way that this needs to be sold through. Because... Zibanejad is there are a lot of things he brings to the table that I think a lot of Rangers don't. I think he has one of the best shots on the team. I think he's a deceptive passer. He's a big game player, scored pretty much every game one of the Rangers had in overtime this year. And despite coming to a new team, a totally new system, A B taking away his two best line mates and injuring himself, yep. he still had more points than Derek Broussard in like thirty five less games. This is the exact example of trading a guy too soon rather than too late. You've got to give him. Don't bridge him over because the Rangers bridged Miller, and what did he do? He scored 56 points next year or last year. If Miller scores another 56 points this year, it's going to be very hard to keep him around. You know, the one contract the Rangers didn't bridge was McDonough, and it's probably one of the best contracts in the league. So sometimes you have to take risks. He's a player worth taking a risk on. By all means, he's tw- yeah. he just turned 24. Do it. Buy out his years. You're giving him a six-year deal until he's 30? Do it. Do it. Nothing bad there. I don't know how. We started with fast, and then somehow we got to the manager. But the fast contract is really good, too. One year is $1.85 million. 
Like I was saying before, my issues with fast have nothing to do with fast. It has to do with the way that he's utilized. Uh, I think in yeah. in my uh, Vegas, like these are the players that the Rangers might lose. Piece I said that fast was like the Leatherman. You, you, the Leathermans that like the contractors and whatnot carrying around. It's like a pliers and screwdriver and it's, it's got like a knife tool. in it and scissors. Right? Yeah, sure. It's a multi tool. It's great if you use it properly. It's awesome. If you try to friggin' hammer nails into the wall with it, it doesn't really work that well. And that's that's what using fast in a top six role is. I love him. I think he's great. I think he does great things for the New York Rangers. He is not a top six player. It just is what it is. But that's the way he's utilized because apparently Pavel Buchnevich is not allowed to have any confidence that he's a hockey player whatsoever. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did we even talk? Is there anything you want to add something about fast? One of you save me from rambling. Uh, no, just again, like another good contract by the Rangers. Like, uh, you're not paying much of a premium for, uh, for him. Um, because like the thing with like depth wingers is that you can always find them, right? Like they're like, how many depth wingers have like Grabner, right? Like how many of the Rangers signed the last two years for just pennies and, you know, they turn into a quality player. So, uh, you know, fast contract is right in the, uh, right in the wheelhouse of what you want to give him. Like after like looking at like what the Islanders did with, with Suzuki and Clutterbuck, which is like, uh, oh, you know, God. that was kind of my worry was that the Rangers, even if it wasn't going to be this year, they were going to give him two, one or two years and then give him, you know, that kind of money. So like now, like, you know, brilliant, like assuming fast is healthy, like the Rangers now do not have to worry about like a bottom six wing spot and a penalty kill spot for the next three years. Like, I think that's, I think that's fantastic. Like just one less thing, you know, cause there's always rosters juggling 500 pieces. So that's just one less thing. One fewer thing I should say that, um, the Rangers have to worry about the next three years. So, well done. Good old Jeff Gordon. Really kind of making his mark on this team, I have to say. Um, yeah. Oh, that's how I got it. So, uh, the other aspect of this, Fast filed for arbitration before he um, signed, which is really uh-huh. bizarre, like right after. Zimanejad filed for arbitration. The New York Rangers will have the secondary buyout window open to them, but I, re- I would almost bet the bottom dollar they're not going to use it. Just so it's yeah. just an automatic. The second buyout window opens up if you have a player file for arbitration, and like it just it is what it is. That's just what it is. If you want to know why or how it works or what the deal is for it, um, go to my article about it. Mika put up like the rules of the second arbitration because it's not the same. The first arbitration where the Rangers or the first buyout where the Rangers bought out Girardi, you could buy whoever you want out in that window. There's no restrictions whatsoever. Um, there is in the secondary window. So just something to, uh, something to keep in mind. Um, all right. So we went through Zibanejad. Oh, I guess the, the only other thing, and we don't have to spend forever on it. Do the Rangers sign a, you know, do they sign a third center? Do they trade for one? What do you see going on here, Adam? I'll give you I'll give you the floor, Mike. Give Mike some time to think yeah, about it. Sure. I mean, I think there are a couple options for the Rangers. The ideal one is uh, UC Okunin, who um, you know is 34 and hasn't played center completely in the last two years or so. But you know, again, no player is perfect. You kind of you know have to figure out what you want. Um, but again, you know, he's the kind of guy that we know Desharnay is not going to be like your defensive zone you know, penalty kill late game, uh, you know, guy. 
Rangers need one more. Yuki Jokinen is a fantastic shot suppressor. And on top of that, just for gravy, he'll get you, I think, 30, 35 points, which is very good production from uh, the bottom six. Um, and, you know, if there are injuries or whatever, he can always move the wing too. So I, I think he's the ideal um, ideal option. And the other option that's appealing to me is kind of similar. Daniel Winnick, who is um, with the Capitals last year, again, like hasn't played center fully uh, last few years, but um, again, great shot suppressor, um, solid on faceoffs when he does take them. He's a guy who can penalty kill. He's a guy who can move to wing if you need him. He brings that, you know, physical presence can chip in some secondary offense. Um, so those are two options. But you know, I, I was discussing this with a few people uh, earlier. Like, let's let's say this is it, right? Like the Rangers are done, and I don't think that's the case. But just for argument's sake, right? Like. I think they're all right. Like, I don't think it's a perfect team, but it, it doesn't need to be perfect in October. It needs to be perfect in April. And, you know, there's plenty of time then to, you know, kind of figure it out. And, uh, you know, now that they actually have a decent prospect pool and all of their draft picks for the next few years, you know, they can afford to make a trading deadline move. Um, you know, so worst case scenario, if you need a third line center or even a second line center, you know, uh, the market for centers is looking pretty good free agent wise for next year. So I think there's going to be, some options available. So uh, ideally you go into October with, you know, your lineup set, but I don't think that's a kind of a do or die thing. I think, you know, uh, for all the years, the past couple of years where the Rangers kind of made a desperate trade thinking they were one move away from, you know, the cup and they really weren't like, I really think the Rangers are, you know, maybe not the cup, but they're one move away from being, you know, uh, a series as good of a contender as any team in the NHL. So you know, I don't think it's do or die right now. I think they can kind of pick and choose what they want to do here. Yeah, and Mike, before um, before you jump in to the point that Adam just made, I have a, a longer story coming about this, but just because you have cap space does not mean you should use said cap space. Mm. It, having cap space is just as good as having, like, a great prospect or – whatever it may be, because the opportunity to have flexibility is something a lot of teams do not have. And the Rangers did not have for a really long time. So if you go into the season with five or $6 million in cap space, assuming Klein retires and assuming you trade Holden for a bag of pucks, that's not a bad thing. It's not something where Gordon has to go in and think, Oh shit, I have $5 million in cap space. I got to spend this money, save it. Save it. And if you don't use it, use it next year. But flexibility is so important. It's so important. If he says to himself, oh, you know what? Like, I got to sign this guy. It doesn't really fit, but I have the money. Not the way to think about it. That money does not go anywhere. Do not let it burn a hole in your pocket. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I'll I'll say two things. Uh, The first is I would kind of like to see the Rangers make a move like Jokinen, who's at the top of my list. Um, for who's left out there. Um, one, because we have Nash under contract through next season and then he's off the books. That doesn't mean he can't come back at a, you know, less than $7.8 million on the cap. Um, yeah. But he's the sort of guy who I think he's a player that even his greatest critics and skeptics will uh, – you know, will realize how much they miss him only when he's gone. Um, But I, I, so that makes me feel like they should really find that other piece. 
I think Jokinen would be really interesting with someone like Buchnevich on the third line. Um, and if you have, you know, Miller there, or, and, you know, I also think having a veteran guy like, like Jokinen, who's, I think, what, two seasons removed from 60 points um, from when he was, you know, really cooking yeah. in Florida. Um, that takes a lot of pressure off Kevin Hayes, who, frankly, I'm not over the moon about him being the second center. Um, but if you're really uncomfortable with Hayes there, then it's a question of you have to make a trade to find someone who's good enough to be a second line center. And like in the Brooks piece, he pointed out, you know, there is that log jam on the blue line with, uh, with Holden and of course, Bear Glazov and Pionk and Day, um, you know, all these guys who are kind of Gordy Clark expects them to make that push for roster spots. Um, yeah. Granted, he said that before the Rangers signed Shattenkirk. So, um, but, you know, he said that, in, you know, after the, the step on trade. So it'll be really interesting to see what kind of move Gordon makes. Cause I get the feeling he's not done. Um, because th- there's a bunch of things to keep in mind. It's not, there is definitely something to be said about the point you raised Joe about. You don't have to spend that cap space. Um, but I do think, like, if you can get someone like Jokin in on a one-year deal, just do it, especially considering Lundqvist's age and Nash's contract. Um, you do it. And you do it because this is a very good team right now, and it can be a great team. It's one move away from being a really great team. Um, and I'm sure there's plenty of people rolling their eyes and saying, really, Jokin in is the difference? But it's... You know, it's it's a pretty big deal when you get a guy who, like Adam said, he's it's not just offense for him. He he can play both sides of the puck, and I would love to see what he could do with Buchnevich. Um But there's also the fun aspect of there's so many young guys in this lineup who like Buchnevich and like VC who could be better than they were last season, and that's also something to look forward to. God, we have just we killed this today. I think this is a great podcast. A wonderful podcast. Maybe the best of podcasts. Adam, this is like the time that Clendenning scored those two goals against uh Columbus. That's yeah. This was. Great. That is exactly what this was. Um Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. Like I said before, patreon.com slash blue shirt panther, um, blueapron.com slash blue shirt. Adam is twitter.com slash Adam Z Herman. Mike is dig deep BSB. Um, you can also find Mike at FanRag or not. Yeah. FanRag, right? FanRag sports. Yep. FanRag sports. He's the lead women's yep. hockey writer. She's doing hockey writer things for women. Um, so fancy. And then we haven't talked about this in a while, but Go to iTunes and subscribe to us, like us, do all that stuff. It's going to be great. It should be exactly say what nice you things. want. Yeah, go say nice things. Do all that fun, people. nice stuff. Say a nice thing. You don't want to hear me cry. No one yeah. wants to hear that. You know, Mike doesn't. He doesn't like crying. No, he likes cry. crying. He doesn't Adam like makes me cry all the time. No one so cries. Adam, why why you got to do that to him? Hmm? Uh, don't hate. 
Don't hate the player, hate the game. That makes me hate you even more than before you said that. All right. Well, you're the guy who tried to speak French earlier, so like, uh. Senor Dijonet. Joe. Yes. We know that. I'll use this awkward silence. Uh, Okay. Go ahead. I was going to do something, but you go ahead. I was going to say for my staple fun stupid thing. We know that okay. Pavel Buchnevich has a, has a fidget spinner. What other ranger yeah. do you think is most likely to have a fidget spinner? Oh God, what a uh, great I question! Feel like, I feel like every every goalie, right? Like I would guess Longquist and yeah, Pavlik. goalies like, are because like that's like yeah. a weird goalie thing. That's a great hey. point. Could you be like during go- like during like national anthem, which is like Pavlik just like spinning his fidget spinner, just like <laughs> as this weird goalie quirk thing, like. Yeah, goalies are weird, man. I feel like Zuccarello would I have like one. I like that. I absolutely could see Zuccarello having one. If I really yeah, that's had like, a that's guess. That's like such a cliche answer. Like, that's just like everything Zuccarello. Like, I, well, I agree with that. It's just, you know, like, it's like you're not even trying. You're just going for lowest common denominator. It, if I really had to guess, it'd be Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes is totally yeah, like that. Yeah, I could see him being really amused by it. Just that, like, ADHD, yeah. oh, shit, give me the fidget spinner, just type of guy. Absolutely. Mm, also, though, like, I could see, like, if there's one guy who has, like, a secret fidget spinner, like, collection, like, I could see Jesper Foss, right? Like, just, like, the quiet dude with just, like, a briefcase, like, oh, what's in there? And, like, someday he just opens and a bunch of fidget spinners fill out, and he just awkwardly, like, puts them back in. Like, I could see Jesper Foss on that. Michael Grabner? I think Grabner would be a good choice, too. Grabner's a uh, weird man. There's some weird shit going on there. There really is. Yeah, he's, he, he's a, he's a fun Twitter weird guy, too. Gift. His Twitter account is a gift. Uh, all right, well, say nice things to us. Say nice things about us. Thank you, for guys, for everybody who called in. Um, I don't want to cry. Mike does not want to cry. All I'll right, make this, cry. this is enough. Bye. Goodbye, everybody.